So we are back. It is episode 61 of the Mars Hill Sports Podcast. We are here. Luke, how are we doing? Doing good. I'm glad it's just just us again. I uh, got a surprise for everybody in a few minutes here, but things have been going well. School has picked up a lot, but hey, that's okay. I got a break some way, so this is good. How have you been doing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, school's starting to pick up again. Uh, had a bit of a mix-up with my Moodle, and it's been uh, tweaking on me recently. So I've had to get people send me Zoom links and stuff. So that's been fun. Uh, other than that, uh, I'm doing well. Uh, really happy with uh, the uh, issue that is shaping up to be issue number seven of Mars Hill. Um, but before we get into anything, uh, first and foremost... Who's our athlete for our dedication today? 61. So, yeah, weird number. We're going into the, to the weird territory of numbers, but uh, we managed to pull one out of the hat. It's uh, baseball pitcher Josh Beckett. Okay. Yeah, he okay. wore 61 for while well, he was on the Dodgers and the Marlins. Uh, so it's great. I watched him in his Red Sox days. He was pretty nasty. Yeah, he was gross. Day. Yeah, so I'm yeah. glad that we can dedicate this episode to you, Josh. Shout out I to believe Mark. I believe he was on that World Series, uh, one yeah. of those World Series winning teams. So, huh? I like that show. I thought you were going to say Mark Stone because we did talk a little bit about oh, him today. Oh, right. One. That is true. Yeah. yeah. But uh, hey, I, I, I like the more obscure ones. The yeah. more obscure, the better. So Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Anyways, um, before we get into any items of business, we'll call them here, because this is a really official podcast and Luke and I are very uh, business-minded people. It's all business. Uh, what, what should people check in the description, Luke? I think they're called timestamps, I believe. They, they are called timestamps. Right, yeah. And you're going to want to check those out because you can see uh, – where we have our stuff. We have an interview with C2B. That's going to be at the end of the episode. And that was an absolute banger as per usual. We have uh, some AFC and NFC championship review stuff with Kyle Baker, uh, who volunteered his time to come here today and, uh, and talk some football with us. And uh, we also have the serial rankings coming up too. And, that's going to be fun. We haven't done them in a while, so I'm excited for that. So you're going to want to check out those timestamps. You're also going to want to check out the Pop Cult podcast done by our very own Carter Swatsky and Liv Walton. They've done an amazing, uh, an amazing job this year, and I am very pleased to have them on our team. They're doing an awesome job, and it is a very fun podcast. You're going to want to check that out. Last episode, they talked about Miley Cyrus, the rock star she's a rock star now apparently they've apparently. been putting out episodes i respect it a lot so mm -hmm. yeah so a uh, lot of a lot of podcasts coming from mars hill this year we're excited we hope you are at least half actually a quarter of the way excited as us so anyways uh i told luke i wanted to tell a story uh about this i had to go to the bathroom right before this and i'm currently because my house is quite small uh, for reference, I share a room with my 24-year-old brother, Andrew. I also have one bathroom in my house for the five people that reside in the house. So uh, podcasting in our house doesn't work, and Zoom meetings barely work. 
I can't do school in my house. It is impossible. Uh, so I come to my brother's office a lot and I have to wear a mask in like the public spaces. Right now I'm in his actual like room, his office. So I'm allowed to like take my mask off. That's what his boss told me. Uh, but um, the bathroom is like a walk down the hall. And when I walk down the hall, I have to wear my mask, even though no one else is in the building. It's just me in here in this entire like it's like a full floor of just offices for various things uh so i had to wear my mask and i'm sitting on the toilet doing my thing and i guess i put my mask on my my boxers like like while i'm sitting there and i for the record i showered right before we recorded today so they're clean fresh pair so it's at least they're not like a day or two old, which is good. That's like, this is, that's the po the one positive we can take out of this. But um, I'm walking, I, I pull my pants up and I start walking and I'm like, oh, I must've like, I must've left my mask in, in the, in his office by accident. And I start walking and I got like an Under Armour mask. Uh, Cause I like to use it at the gym. So I'm sitting, I'm walking through the hall and I'm like halfway to the office. And I realize I'm like, oh boy. I never, I, I feel something like puffy down there pressing against uh, my region, we'll call it. We'll call it my region. And uh, I'm like, oh boy, I, uh, I left the mask in my boxers. And uh, shamelessly, luckily, and here's the thing, I'm, 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 uh, I'm unapologetically Tyler and I don't really care about these things. Like if I did this in public, if I reached out of my boxers and pulled out uh, a mask to go put on my face, walking in downtown Vancouver, I would still do it. But uh, there was a level of embarrassment I had for myself. I, I, I had, I had to put the mask back on. Right. So there's that. And I'm like, okay, well, here we go. Mask went right back on the face. And I uh, am now talking out of the lips that uh, have have been one too many places uh, indirectly. So you can contact trace my lips back to a certain part of my body that they shouldn't be on. So um, yeah, that's how we're going to open up today's podcast. Um, what do you think about that? On a pause unapologetically tyler yes. i love that yeah way to stay authentic way to it's it's on brand yeah it is on brand you're right because yeah. when you like sat down and entered the meeting and you told me oh i've got something embarrassing to tell and i'm like isn't he like the only guy in that office what could it possibly be exactly I'm trying to wrap my head around it and no way in a million years would i have guessed that so that's a I'm unfortunate, but yeah, yeah. Like we, I make mistakes, but I'll rebound. It's yeah. never going to happen again. I promise. There you go. Yeah. I think that that's the moral of the story. But that really that was is. a really good story. So thanks for sharing. Yeah. No, thank you for listening, and thank you. I bet you a lot of people just turned off the podcast because <laughs> of that. Anyways, they're like, "Who is this freak? Why, 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 why am I the only person listening to this guy?" Anyways, um. Serial rankings today. Yeah. We're going to be doing 
top five office characters. Yep. This is going to be fun. I feel like it's it's been a while since we've done these, and I was like, hey, like we don't really have anything planned for an intro. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do this. Why not? Screw it. So, uh, Luke, why don't you kick us off here? Yep. Uh, I'll start off. Uh, I'm going to start off with an honorable mention, and then I'll go into my number five because sure. I feel I'll like do, this... I'll do that as well. Okay. This this needs to be heard. Everybody is sleeping on David Wallace as a character. I agree. He is such an awesome character in, in The Office. And I think he adds so much value to it in the scenes that he's in. Um, I kind of, I got this off of a podcast that I used to listen to of when looking at TV shows. Who's a high, who has a high like efficiency rating as a character, right? They might not have the most right. lines. They might not be in the, in the best scenes. But when they're in a scene, they make things happen. And it goes and, well. Yeah, and it goes well. And that's David Wallace. Yeah, I agree. He's he's like in a high tier for me. He's not like... So I actually went on uh, the internet and made like a tier list today. Yeah. So yeah, but no, David Wallace is awesome. What's like a specific David Wallace scene that you like? I think uh, the one that's coming to my mind right now is the Willy Wonka episode. And that whole sit down with uh, Dwight and Pam and then David's talking on the phone. Yeah. And just that whole episode where he's like, well, you know, this is like one of the greatest initiatives I've ever seen. And then you just see Michael's face just drop. I thought it was just hilarious. And, you know, David was there. And uh, I think the fact that when he sells Thunder Mifflin and he gets really rich off that, that toilet thing, I thought that was hilarious as well. Um, but yeah, I think he's the most underrated character in the show. I, I think he's up there for sure. He's yeah. he's up there in my books. So yeah. um, in the tier list I made, there's like, so it had like preset uh, tiers. So there's like a godly tier. Uh, there's a love them tier. There's an okay tier. There's a take them or leave them tier. And then there's a hate tier. Uh, my take them or leave them is actually the most uh empty one uh mm. and then love them is the most full and david wallace is like upper echelon of the love em tier yeah so um it takes a lot to get in my godly tier yeah, like there's totally. a lot of characters that people would have in there that i couldn't justify i also have some really hot takes in the godly tier and you'll hear about it in a second here yeah so. uh so my number five is yeah let's hear it. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna kick things off kevin malone okay this guy's funny. I think he's a good way to kind of start things off. Um, yeah, he's he's awesome, especially with his whole chili scene. I think that's kind of his defining moment of the series, and he's just awesome. Can be a bit creepy at times, so that's kind of why I kind of bumped him down there. But, you know, he was at the center of that whole is Hillary Swank hot debate. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I don't really have much else to say about about Kevin's other than I don't think Kevin has that much more to say about Kevin either. Yeah, so for true. the record, yeah, <laughs> he's simple. He's simple. He's a, a very simple-minded individual, but that's why we love him. Yeah, he, he's needed exactly in so many ways. So yeah, um, I'll just read my my godly tier, and I didn't make it through everything, uh, but my godly tier, and I'm not gonna. I'll, I'll say so. These are like the three honorable mentions, I guess. Um, Jan. Yep. 
Yeah. The, the, so a lot of my rankings are based on association as well, <laughs> right? And the Jan Michael thing is like it is electrifying TV. It is yeah. it is hilarious. And uh, Jan gets the breast implants, and Michael's like she's a changed woman, and we all know she's not. <laughs> and then like Jan, like at the baby the baby shower episode, but the baby's already been born, and Michael wasn't called. There's so many good moments that are created out of Jan. Yeah. Uh, that I I had to have her in that tier. She is like above the Jim Halperts. She's above uh, the Andy Bernards, above Ryan, above like Toby, Clark, David Wallace, all of all of these Angela as well, Pam, uh, so and Oscar uh, are kind of like the staples in that. But uh, there are some. There, there are some great Jan moments. Uh, next is Stanley Hudson. Uh, Did I stutter? Pretzel day. There's so many of them. Uh, just like always grumpy. The lighthouse one. Yeah. When he talks about how he just wants to like live in a lighthouse when he's retired and have it shoot up into the sky and he's going to go to space and never come back. Best thing ever. Uh, that's probably my favorite Stanley quote ever. Uh, another good one is uh he's my my last honorable mention here is creed bratton yeah uh, so yeah. apparently creed's a lot of creed stuff was improvised too <laughs> which is awesome because the creed stuff is just like it's gold like he's just like this like the most shady dude ever it's like i wonder what creed's house looks like i wonder what creed does in his spare time the quality control stuff him forgetting that he's got the phallic images uh, on the uh, mill, he gets out one lady fired from the paper mill, uh, and that's that was just like it wasn't even her problem. It's just there's so many good Creed moments, uh, and I love the undertones of just being an absolute criminal. It's awesome. Uh, my number five. This could be a bit shocking, and going kind of similar to the David Walsing, I think he's super underrated. He's only around for a couple seasons is uh robert california okay yeah better but so it's actually mike kazimakis better known as robert california (laughs) (laughs) like the the just ultimate like he convinces joe who is also a great character yeah uh he convinces joe to make him ceo of the company that he just applied for like a regional manager position for Mm -hmm. i i loved I loved, uh, he was just so weird. Everything is sex. Uh, like there's just so many, uh, Robert California moments that I'm like, what am I watching right now? And I feel like everyone in the office is like, what is this guy saying? Because it's like, what, like, what is he saying? It's like, no one has any idea. And there's a lot of good, uh, moments. The list. Oh, that's that like oh I can't handle it. There's so many good ones. So yeah. yeah, that's my number five. I feel like with uh Robert California in those later seasons, I feel like a lot of people would have put him as like a take him or leave him and a lot of those characters, but like yeah. I was on board with with Joe and with and with Gabe as well, uh, and with Robert California especially. So. I, I agree. All three of those. Also, one thing, best Robert California moment ever though, is the I'm the Lizard King. Oh, yeah. The Lizard King quote. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's the same episode where they find out that his name isn't Robert California. 
right he bounces and uh i mean i'm not gonna say i support the uh mission that he decided to go and do it actually is quite disgusting but uh the office does a very good job of the satirical side of things so i'm grateful i can sit here and be like oh it's a tv show and no one is condoning (laughs) in the show no one condones what he's doing as right so i'm gonna leave it there uh before i get canceled for liking robert california let's hear your number four okay my number four uh i'm just looking at my top five and they're all ogs i guess so number four is just gonna be the man himself michael scott um this might be people would probably you know are gonna take me to the stake and say that he's too way too low but for me his hilarity is also kind of combated with just how cringy he can be like scott's tots of course and just like other like little moments comments he makes to to the employees like it i'm like nah i wouldn't want that as a boss for sure he would be awful to have as a boss but as a tv character one of the best steve carell does an incredible job as michael scott and uh you know his many other alter egos prison mike date mike (laughs) prison mike i think that so that episode where he does prison mike and the goodbye toby episode those are my two favorite michael uh episode those are my two favorite episodes yeah those are good prison mike is amazing date mike underrated don't sleep on date mike so true yeah um i'm surprised you had him that low i feel like a lot of people kind of interchange between who their two favorite are and i have a feeling uh we all know who that is Mm -hmm. and uh I'm surprised he was, he's at four. So I'm actually really excited to hear what, uh, what else you got working with. So um, anyways, we'll be getting into Michael Scott later because I will be talking about him. Uh, my number four is Daryl Philbin. Daryl's yep. awesome. He uh, is. I don't, I have only three like OG characters and Daryl is one of them uh, starting out, of course, in the warehouse. Daryl is hilarious. Uh, my favorite Daryl moment ever is when Kelly breaks up with him to get back together with Ryan because Ryan was trying so hard. And we all know the Ryan Kelly thing is a hilarious subplot. Mm-hmm. It's like so cringy, but uh, I mean, that show is a constant cringe fest. Um, Daryl Daryl gets the text. He says, I cool. And then the next scene, no words, just him walking out of the office and he's literally doing like a McGregor walk to his truck. And he like gives it like a, his fob a flare and like presses unlock gets in the car and who knows where he went. But, uh, Daryl, Daryl is an amazing, an amazing character. And he's just like, has like so many like low key funny moments. So I love Daryl. He's hilarious. And it's like also just refreshing seeing like the, like normal people in that show. Because there's not a lot. No, definitely not. Um, My number three, Daryl Philbin. Okay, beautiful. He's he's a really good character, and I really liked uh, his development. Uh, I liked how they kind of went into a bit of his fatherhood as well, and that whole uh, thing with Kelly, and then um, I forget his other girlfriend's name. Val. Val, yes, thank you. I really like that part. I really like that development and then how he goes and works with Jim in the end. Um, but I'd say my favorite 
Daryl moment is when Michael comes down and asks him, you know, like, so you've been in a, in a gang, right? And then Daryl's like, yeah, like, what'd you do to kind of resolve issues? And then I forget the term Daryl used, but he's like, it's called tickle fight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like something to do with tickles. And he's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. And then when one thing leads to another, you're laughing next to each other. You don't even know what happened. I think that's just, I thought that was one of the funniest uh, Daryl moments for sure. And that kind of uh, sticks by me. Uh, for a Daryl moment, for sure. Yeah, Daryl is—he's just a, an, an amazing character. I'm surprised you had him in his top in your top in your top five. Uh, another underrated Daryl moment. I don't know if you remember this. This is like either in the last season or season eight. Daryl interviews at the athlete or whatever it's called, and uh, after his interview, he says like something like, "And like I'll like be shooting hoops or something." And there's like the, the basketball hoop in the mini basketball hoop in their like office where Jim just did the interview. And there's like eight people sitting in there and Daryl sh- grabs some basketball that looks like it was like signed or something, uh, shoots it. it. He misses like clangs off the rim and, <laughs> and it knocks down like some like light thing above the fish tank. And it goes into the fish tank and all the fish get killed because of it. And that's how he ended the interview. And then they hire him. It's awesome. Oh, so good. So many good Daryl moments. Yeah. Anyways, uh, my number three, hot take. And this is going off of your, this is going off of your David Walsh thing. This is a character that I'm like, there's parts of me. I wish that he had a lot more screen time, uh, but he didn't. And I think part of that could be for the better. And you know who that is? It's Moe's Shroot. Oh my gosh. I completely forgot about Moe's. Every time Moe's is in the show, it is the funniest part of the episode. Yeah. Right? So Highest highest efficiency rating for a character, I think. Yes. So. I, think, I think he does have the highest yeah. P, uh, PER. We'll, yeah. call it, we'll call it CER. Yeah. Character efficiency rating. Moe's kills me. Um. He's painting the, the nursery. Hello, children. He's painting in the dark. Uh, there's the part where Jim and Pam, when they're like new, like just, just started dating, uh, they go to Dwight's bed and breakfast. And Moe's does, they're like pulling up, and Moe's has like his run, and he's like running beside the car, and he's moving pretty quick, actually. Uh, I wonder what his 40 yard dash time is, but. Uh, that part, like, there's just so many good Moe's parts, and uh, he he has the highest character efficiency rating. I think it's settled. Yeah, that that's such a good shout. I completely forgot. Moe's has always been in my top five. Yeah, like I love Moe's. Also, like a great part about Moe's is he's kind of like an urban legend in the show because he shows up so rarely. Uh, but Dwight talks about him quite a bit. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, my cousin Moe's like has like this. And it's like, uh, like Moe's was the golden child. He always won the Hay King Award and stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, oh, so funny, man. I I love Moe's Shroot. He is a an, uh, an S-tier character for sure. Yeah. So who do you got for number two? Number two, this is my hot take. Uh, Jim Helpert. Okay. No, it's not a hot take. Like, really any of the OGs, in my opinion, can be in your top. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's just, I thought he, I think he's a really good character. He made me, he's probably along with maybe like three or four other characters. He's made me laugh the most. Just the pranks he, he's pulled, like they've made me laugh out loud. I think um, my favorite gym moment is when he's in Florida and he's kind of trapped in the bedroom with, I think, Kathy. But also before that, the prank that he pulls on Dwight where he pretends to be dead and it's uh, and there's the briefcase and the TV's all fizzy and stuff. And he, then he falls out of the closet. That makes me laugh every single time. Uh, so I can't I can't forget about my guy, Jim Helpert either. Yeah, I I loved I, I loved uh, that that moment in Florida is hilarious that uh, and it's oh yeah and then the bed bug stuff and yeah. Dwight's freaking out he like throws in some very poisonous thing and Jim's like breathing it in you start to tell like you're like oh boy this guy might be packing it in here this might be the end of Jim Halpert uh yeah the character development is awesome the whole Jim and Pam thing is great too and mm-hmm. uh, there's just so many Jim is also just great because he throws so much gas on the fire in yeah. everything right with Dwight with Michael <laughs> like so much he just wants to see in the show they do such a good job just trying to get him to you know go out and like put more gas on the fire and they do such a good job doing that so, mm-hmm. yeah love that show my number two is Dwight Schrute it's hard it's hard to like I feel like Dwight and Michael pretty common one two for people and obviously that points to Michael basically being my number one because I didn't mention that earlier um Dwight is just timeless uh he has the he not only is he in every episode right but he just has like the funniest persona like the character modeling that they've done with Dwight that they did with Dwight Schrute in the office was a stroke of genius because you basically just took uh the the strange the strangest individual who is like so like traditional German <laughs> like and turned him into like a freak but he's also like good with babies uh he's uh he, he's a very protective individual and like the pepper spray moment with Roy there's so many like Dwight is the legend in that moment uh there's so many moments he has that he's just hilarious so yeah that's a uh, that's my number two i'm assuming he's your number one yep dwight's my yeah. dwight's my number one for all the reasons that you said and i think because i was like i've just been you know putting the office on recently just to kind of that's something in the background dwight's moments stick out to me more than anybody else's that's a good point and yeah he's just involved in so many things like he'll he'll have these one-liners where it'll just make you laugh out loud whether it's like how he views things or just how he approaches uh different situations the whole you know lighting the trash can on fire (laughs) (laughs) like fire safety man so good and then also the the mask the the safety training safety day Yeah. yeah yeah and uh oh shoot i just had it but yeah just so many 
different oh him volunteering his clean urine for for michael and things like that like oh he, yeah he's loyal as well and is, he's just he's just too good he is too good he's too good to be true yeah um he's such a good character um and just like again like by association him and jim being like such a good sales combo is an underrated aspect of dwight Schrute mm-hmm. because it's like it's like it's like teammates that hate each other off the off the court but then they're just electric on the pitch or the court or the yeah. ice together uh that's awesome so yeah oh, love I, th- it. I think my favorite all-time dwight moment is when he shoots stanley with the bull tranquilizers. Yeah, the bull tranquilizers. That is yeah. a good take. Yeah. And then him and uh him and Clark yeah. push Stanley down the stairs. Oh so good. So good. So good. All right. Uh my number one's Michael Scott. My two favorite office episodes are basically because of him. Uh Goodbye Toby is probably my favorite. It's either the Goodbye Toby song where he sings, I, I believe it's Goodbye Stranger. It's a rendition of that. And he just starts belting out like Goodbye Toby and he makes this massive production for it. It's awesome. Uh, like the the hate for Toby, it's like you, you get it, but then you also don't sometimes. Uh, at the end of the day, it's basically just because he's HR. And of course, that's the bane of Michael Scott's existence threat level midnight is great too that's an that's a wild card for me but uh prison mike and you would be the bella the ball don't drop the soap don't drop the soap (laughs) so good so good and uh like also his like unfounded strange love for ryan who just couldn't care less about him and that really comes to fruition and he kind of realizes it uh, in the wolf thing, wolf.com. Mm-hmm. Great episode, by the <laughs> way. Um, that, that, oh, there's just so many amazing moments with Michael Scott. And if you think about it, so much of it stems, basically everything at the end of the day kind of just stems from him. Yeah. It really does. It's and that's what makes the show so great. Um, I want to ask you a quick question. Yeah. After Michael leaves, are you like a hater of The Office? Because I actually loved the seasons at this, the like, I think it was like a season and a half after. Yeah. Or maybe no, two was, full seasons. I was still on board. Uh, I thought it was thing, great. The only thing I didn't like about the seasons after was Andy's development. Um, hmm. I just didn't like Andy at all, but it was his like development wasn't enough to get me to stop watching or stop liking it. Like I knew it was going to be a real challenge once Michael left. Uh, and I thought they did really well, actually the writers, producers, uh, everybody. So no, I, I stayed on board fully after he left. How about you? Uh, yes, I do. I do fully agree. Like I loved, I loved, uh, I loved the whole Michael Scott thing and Andy, it's like, Andy's a very hateable character. And I feel like a lot of people would have him on their hate list. But one thing I do want to say about Andy is he's like so necessary to the show. If you think about it, he's like all the things he gets involved with uh, and like even just like his overall involvement going from Stanford to, to, uh, to Scranton with Jim and Karen is just so funny. 
and there's just so many like hateable Andy moments, but he's also just like, I feel like he's so necessary. Also the rivalry he has with Dwight is just great. Yeah. That's an underrated. And getting manager before getting manager before Dwight. It's so good. So, um, last thing I want to ask you before we get on to uh, Super Bowl. I mean, uh, uh, NFC AFC Championship Weekend Review with Kyle is uh, who? Give me something like the characters you just hated in the office. Characters I hated. Uh, Andy's up there. And I wouldn't even say, like, hate. These were just characters, like, eh, I could, I don't really care about them. Uh, Andy. Uh, Kelly, at times, like, she was just, like, annoying. But, like, that was, like, part of her whole whole thing. So I can understand that. Angela, at times. Um, anybody else? I don't. I don't think so. Not that I can think of at the top of my head. How about you? Uh, I actually love Kelly and Angela. I kind of just love all the OGs just because I feel yeah. like, like I said, they're kind of all necessary to the story. And yeah, totally. they all have, they all like play their position kind of, you know? Yeah. Um, I would say, so characters that I hated, I have like, I have tiered on the, the hate list. Um, I didn't like Pete. I really didn't like Pete. Okay. He was so boring. He was so boring. Looks like Tom and Brady feel, as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's actually a good point. Um, I didn't notice that, but I literally just looked at a photo of him. Anyways, he's not like, he doesn't seem like a hateable dude. To be honest, I'd probably get along pretty well with Pete if I knew him in real life, but I don't know. I feel like they missed a lot of potential in like, the guy who swoops in and, and sweeps Aaron off of her feet, right? From Andy. Uh, yeah. I feel like they just could have done a better job. Uh, I didn't like Josh, the manager from Stanford, because he was just greasy. He leveraged oh, his right. position to get right. on the staples. You're greasy, Josh. Yeah. You're slime. Yeah. And uh, we didn't get we didn't get much screen time with him. So that was kind of like one of the things I'm just like, oh, you suck. Mm -hmm. uh the uh another one is roy uh for obvious reasons just i mean they paint roy as hateable as possible Uh, another one okay i don't remember her name but she was one of the ones who came from stanford and she had like the baby oh right and when everyone's locked in the office and they're trying to get out she's sitting there just like nursing her baby and she's like, shut up, everyone. Baby's trying to sleep. I don't know. She was just really unpleasant. Yeah. And I feel like they, like, tried to make the unpleasantness funny, but it just wasn't. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, my last hated one is the film guy who tries oh. to get with Pam. Oh, my I hate God. that guy. He's a slime ball. That kind he of... He witnessed different. all of Jim and Pam. He witnessed yeah. all of it. So... Yeah, that's my hated list. I can't. I think his name was Eric. I'm not yeah, too something sure like though. that. Yeah. But oh yeah, I completely forgot. That was like, a, like such it. an unnecessary thing. I think that was the one thing they completely got wrong. Yeah, with, with the I agree. show. But uh-huh. that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. 
anyways, um, do you have any other hated ones that you you might be missing out on? Nope. Uh, you hit you hit it on the head with the sound guy or the camera guy. Yeah. Screw the sound guy. Yeah. Don't like him. Not my guy. No. Anyways, um, yeah, that's gonna wrap up the serial rankings. It's been a while. That felt good, hey. Yeah. It was yeah. a good one. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we're going to get right on to our interview with Kyle Baker, where we go through championship weekend. So we will see you there. So Kyle decided that uh, he was going to volunteer himself for his little contract he's got. So this is some extracurricular stuff. Kyle's getting his volunteer hours in right now. And he's back and he's like, guys, we got to talk. He's like, let's just talk half an hour, just half an hour. And I say, let's set some ground rules here. Let's just not talk about the Super Bowl at all. Okay. Fair. Let's say it's not happening. We'll, 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 uh, we'll save that for our nice Super Bowl mega Kyle Baker prop parlay uh, special. For uh, sure. Our marathon. Which I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, actually ha- I'm actually happy you say this, Tyler, because – I haven't even like watched any tape on the anthem singers yet. I'm kind of hoping on watching some YouTube tape just to get a vibe for like if they're slow singers or fast singers, so we can get a jump on that prop. So I'm happy you're taking the Super Bowl off the table because I haven't I haven't even had a chance to study the film on that yet. And I want to make sure I'm giving it for sure. Yeah, I mean you want to make sure you're giving uh, you're giving people quality information when I come on the Marisol podcast. So no Super Bowl talk yet. We'll be back next week for that. Of course. Anyways, let's get right into it here. Buccaneers Packers, uh, an electric game to say the least. Uh, TB12 comes through once again, and of course, Tampa Bay turns the corner again on us, Kyle. We like I I I I am a Tom Brady. I'm not a Tom Brady hater, but I am a Tom Brady doubter, and I did it again, like so many of us have so many times. And boom, what does it do? It bites me right in the butt. And uh, here we are, Buccaneers, Super Bowl. Who would have thought? A lot of people, but not me. So what do you think? I think a lot of people thought the Super Bowl matchup that we've now is now going to happen. A lot of people thought that was had that as their preseason Super Bowl pick. I mean, I think that was probably one of the most classic Super Bowl picks that people had. You know, you take Tampa because of Tom Brady and you take Kansas City because of the defending champs and Patrick Mahomes. And for all the reasons to pick Kansas City, uh, but it ends up coming to fruition. And I think I think most people have doubted this the whole way along for Tampa Bay, right? A wild card team. Um, I think we weren't surprised to see them win that first game, but they didn't against Washington. But they didn't look particularly good. They slipped past New Orleans, and then they find a way to do it again. You know, and Tom Brady made some great throws in this game. He also made several terrible throws, including three that resulted in interceptions. And I mean. I went back and looked at all three of those interceptions. Maybe one of them, you can put some of the blame on, on Mike Evans uh, when it tips off the top of his hands. But I still think that the majority of that interceptions on Brady. So in my opinion, he threw three interceptions that are 100% his fault. Um, I guess a missed block uh, by Fournette on one of them as well. But he was the major driver in, in all three of those interceptions. But they find a way. Their defense played so well. I think see what we talked about with their defense uh, with – what we talked about a little bit with the Tampa defense possibly being able to give Aaron Rodgers problems and get them uncomfortable, 
I, I do think that they did that. I, I think they were in Rogers' face. I think he got hit more than he's been hit in any game this season. Uh, and they did a really good job to shut down um, to shut down Devontae Adams. I thought they defended defended him really well, learned from some of the mistakes that L.A. made, uh, and played really well. And, you know, I think it, on one hand, it feels like, it feels like, man, Tampa tried to give this game away the whole second half. At the same, you know, if, if Green Bay doesn't pick up that, whatever it was, third and 15 uh, in the first half, uh, when Rodgers sort of rolled out to his right and made a long throw down the field, if they don't pick that up and have to punt, this could have been 24 to three at the half. Like this could have been 24 to three um, and the game probably would have been over. So yeah, a really, really interesting game and a really fun game I thought to watch uh, for the majority of it. Yeah. Luke, what did you think of the game? Yeah. Uh, same, same thing as Kyle. Like the, I thought that first half by Brady was just kind of a classic masterclass that he put on. And I think, yeah, before I'm, yeah, I'm kind of a little bit ticked because I finally doubted Tom Brady and hopped on your guys's bandwagon in the predictions. And then as soon as he took to, took to the field and just kind of took it by storm, uh, I kind of knew I, I messed up there. But also, uh, yeah, I think Tampa Bay kind of played a little bit like not to lose, especially in that second half on offense where Brady threw the three consecutive interceptions. I don't think he's done that for forever, it seemed. Uh, so that was like kind of really weird to see, especially coming from someone like like him. And then also, I don't know, I think Green Bay also surprised me just kind of on both sides of the ball. I think their their defense especially seemed uninspired. And um, there's a couple lackluster plays, especially with that Scotty Miller touchdown where uh, I think it was Kevin King that was marking him. That was just some brutal defense as well. And then um, I know like, the haters guide to the game will say like, Oh, the calls went the bucks way because they weren't calling anything for both teams. And finally the bucks got that call on like that last uh, drive at the very end of the game with that pass interception. But at the end of the day, you can't really count Brady out even though his game was a bit up and down. um, He still played really well. Um, And he did kind of outshine Aaron Rodgers for sure in that game. So Aaron Rodgers fans stay quiet for now. Yeah, I, I wonder what, what you guys thought, too, of the, the decision. I think really both these games uh, on the losing side, there's the question of coaching decisions, I think. You know, obviously, we'll hit on the Buffalo and Kansas City coaching decisions, which might be a little uh, a little tougher to see on the surface. But this was a clear moment there. You get fourth and goal on the Tampa Bay 8 for Green Bay. They're down 8 at this point, um, 209 on the clock, and they decide to kick the field goal. Um, to go up, uh, to go down five. So they were now down five. I'm curious what what you guys guys thought of that 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 decision at the, at the time uh, or in retrospect. This is this is what I was going to actually ask about next. I thought it was a horrible decision by Matt Lafleur. Oh my goodness! Either way, to win the game, the Packers are going to have to come down and score a touchdown. They are in the red zone. What what were they? Fourth and it was fourth and goal on the Tampa Bay eight. I feel like you got to go for it at that point. I don't, I don't think that's a question. Like it's a matter of, do you score a touchdown now that you're in the red zone or later when it's even more crunch time and you're going to have less time on the clock. Plus you don't know what the Buccaneers are going to do when they have the ball in their hands. And this Packers defense isn't exactly reliable. I thought it made no sense. I would way rather bet on Aaron Rodgers making a play than that Buccaneers defense coming on the, 
coming back on the other end of things. So I thought that was, I thought that was horrendous. I like, I thought it was a joke, an absolute joke of a coaching decision. If I'm going to be completely honest, that one trumps uh, a lot for me. And I get it. Like Lafleur, Lafleur is in a top, in a very tough situation there. Like you put me in that. I probably just wouldn't, I'd probably just freeze up on the, the headset, but uh, I hate the decision. I don't think Aaron Rodgers liked the decision. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's a joke, like an absolute joke. It was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. You, you said freezing, freezing up in the decision. I, this is the kind of decision I like to call a two comma decision. You better have two commas in your paycheck before you make a decision like this. And Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur does. Um, I think I would agree with you, Tyler, from the aspect that I would have gone for it. I would have gone for it. I, I get why he did it though. I, the, um, and then, you know, I do think as the, the analytics and the math comes more and more into how these coaches want to make decisions, especially late in the game, I think we're going to see more moments like this because statistically speaking, the charts, as they reference, support doing this. The idea is you're saving the two-minute warning to be used as a fourth timeout. And if you don't get the two, if, you, if you're unable to convert the two-point conversion, um, it's much less likely that you can get the ball back. If you allow the two, allow if you kick it back to them past the two minute warning, um, but you're dealing with small amounts of probability, and I would have had a hard time taking the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands in that moment. That's how I felt in the moment. It's still how I feel. I understand why he did it, but um, yeah, I, I would I would agree the same the same as you. If I could, sorry, just... I kind of cut Luke. Off. I kind of cut Luke off there. He was gonna he was oh, gonna talk about it. No, all good. If I could just add one more thing as well, because I yeah I agree with both of you guys, and I think. Um, you also have to recognize of who's getting the ball at like just before the two minute warning. And I think one of the more underrated parts of Tom Brady's whole career is his ability to take care of the ball in a situation like that, in a high pressure situation where you just kind of need to, you know, move the chains a little bit just to get to that like last, you know, minute, last 30 seconds to kind of take the knee and end the game. I think, I think that's a super underrated part of Tom Brady's game. Um, and so once I saw them make that decision, I was like, yeah, I think it's pretty much over. They're going to need something pretty incredible here to, to kind of get the ball back in the first place. So another it, thing, sorry, if I can just interrupt go for, for it, go a for second. It, go for it. I, I also like one thing I really noticed throughout that game too. Packers defense on third downs couldn't make a stop. Um, yes. That was a very recurring theme. And I don't know, like for me, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, you're going to have to score a touchdown anyways. And your defense hasn't been able to shut down Tom Brady. And it's Tom Brady. We're talking about here, like Mr. Ice, let's be real. So I don't know. I, I hated, I hated every part of it. And the third down thing killed me. Like. Yeah. Yeah. The one, uh, the one other thing though, that, that I thought was just one last like interesting coaching moment was the second and one once Tampa had gotten the ball back. So maybe you guys, I don't know if you guys caught this. It, it happened really, really quickly, but Washington or rather Tampa picked up nine yards on the first play. Um, the first play from scrimmage after they got the ball back. So they're up five, they picked up nine yards and green Bay took an intentional penalty. So green Bay took an intentional encroachment penalty to create a first down to try and maximize their chances of getting the ball back. I, I can't understand why Bruce Arians, the head coach of Tampa, didn't decline that penalty since you can decline any penalty, but he went ahead and accepted it. 
And as that third down is playing out where Green Bay nearly gets the ball back, you know, Green Bay nearly gets that ball back if it's not for a penalty. Um, I'm thinking to myself, oh man, Bruce Arians is going to be in the ultimate doghouse if he fails to uh, decline this penalty. So I, I find these playoff games, we always get really interesting at, uh, coaching moments like this and thing like kind of uh, mind twisters with the coaching. Uh, and I think it really just shows who's most prepared and who's able to make a, a decision on the fly. So I thought that was a really interesting part of that last, last couple minutes of the game. One question, it's a, a bit off topic and a bit more broad, but what do you think is next for Aaron Rodgers in this? Like, I feel like a lot of people love to throw around this whole thing. And what is he one for six, one for seven in conference championships? Well, uh, one uh, for one. And one uh, he's uh, he is one for five now. So he's okay, one, one for four. five. Yeah. One for uh, so I feel like a lot of people love to throw, throw these out and I'm going to open up the discussion to that. Like, I don't think anything's really going to happen with this green Bay team. Like let's be real. Matt LaFleur is probably going to be coaching that team again next year. I don't see them letting go of him. It doesn't make sense. Uh, no matter how, I mean, in my opinion, stupid that decision was. Um, I feel like a lot of people like to throw this out. Is this like Aaron Rodgers' last kick of the can, or am I the only person who's like, there's no chance? Yeah. I mean, I, it's going to be interesting. Obviously he, he made some com- comments post game about, you know, nobody's future is certain, not even mine, which, you know, set the media set the media a storm on Monday talking about if Aaron Rodgers were to want to leave Green Bay, what teams he would go to. I stand by what I said on the podcast last week that uh, ESPN and the networks are looking for something to talk about football related and they are just grasping onto this quarterback stuff. Um, I think he'll be back. I think he's quarterback in the Packers again and I think they've got a chance to to make another deep run. I mean, Rodgers really rekindled the play that we saw from Rodgers in those early years when they were, when they went to the Super Bowl uh, and won. And some of those years uh, around there uh, where they reached the conference championship, they lost to an Atlanta team that was just, was, was such a fantastic team that really should have won a Super Bowl for obvious reasons. Um, They were super unlucky to lose to Seattle. I mean, that was a, that was a 2%, maybe 1%, 2% probability win for Seattle situation. And Seattle's won that game with an onside kick. So, uh, and then they lost as well to the to the Niners a year ago. So they've been to back to back now with Lafleur. I think him and uh, him and Rogers, uh, despite a decision and moment like this where they obviously disagreed, I think they get along really well. And he's really rekindled a lot in Aaron Rodgers. So I don't think it's Aaron Rodgers' last kick of the can. He's getting up there though at thirty seven, going to be thirty eight. Uh, you know the years are dwindling, but I mean we got a forty three year old playing in the Super Bowl, so. What's to say uh, Rodgers can't do this for, for two or three more years? Yeah, I'm with Kyle uh, for sure. I just don't really see him playing for any other team. And Green Bay is like, actually, like a really good team. Uh, I thought they were like kind of a quiet one seed this year. Like I don't think they made too much noise. Uh, but I think that was just came down to their consistency. Like we've seen Rodgers and Adams absolutely thrive in this LeFleur system as well. And I think they'll just run it back again. Uh, but yeah. That's kind of the only thing I, I have to say. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, at the end of the day, Tampa Bay, he's going back. Once again, we got – you can't have a Super Bowl without this guy. It really feels like – it really feels that way these days. So, um, anyways, let's move on to another quarterback who I feel like is also putting his, his name in the ballot for perennial I'm going to be in the Super Bowl kind of guy. Uh, taking the reins from none other than Tom Brady in the AFC. 
is Patrick Mahomes. He's going back. And we saw the uh, Kansas City Chiefs once again uh, go, go out and win a big game in the AFC Championship. They took down the Buffalo Bills 38-24. to um, there, was a, there was a lot of excitement around the Bills. I know Kyle can vouch for himself on that one, <laughs> coming out with the take. Um, first things first, I just want to ask you guys, uh, what did you think about the Patrick Mahomes performance? Because there's a lot of uncertainty, obviously, with the concussion and the toe. Uh, he had turf toe. So um, what are we like? What did we think about that performance? Yeah, uh, it's Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to really doubt him. He kind of looked like his old, old self, even though he's only 25. But this was, I thought this was a real team performance by, by the Chiefs from like the little I caught of the game just to the highlights I saw. Everybody really contributed both offense and defensively. Um, like Tyreek Hill, man, like he is scary. Travis Kelsey is scary. Like having those as offensive weapons. I feel like they kind of match up well, the Bucks and Chiefs. I feel like I know throughout the year, sometimes the Chiefs deep defense could have been like a little bit uh, off and same, and we know that with the Bucks as well, but they both have the offensive weapons. I think this uh, will make for a really good matchup uh, on paper at least, but I mean, you can't doubt Mahomes and Chiefs played really well, I thought, across the whole board. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think Luke's spot on. You know, Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes. He delivered uh, delivered a fantastic performance, uh, had a fantastic game. He got the ball to his two best guys. You know, Hill had a, over 170 yards and nine catches. Um, he targeted Kelsey 15 times in this game, and Kelsey got 13 of them for 118 yards. He worked his two best receivers, and that's what he does. Uh, and they were they were fantastic. I mean, I it did feel like they were pretty much in control. I, I, I'd almost be willing to say the entire game that although they were down 10, nothing uh, that's the, that's the Kansas city chief way uh, in the playoffs. Uh, but um, yeah, definitely uh, a fantastic performance on the Patrick Mahomes front. And I think it sets up uh, for him to continue the momentum into, into the Super Bowl. Yeah. I feel like we're at the point in like watching Patrick Mahomes with this offense that, he is able to work with a win. Like it is basically, it basically feels like a guaranteed win is going to be there depending on how much they can get Hill and Kelsey involved in that offense. And I mean, yeah, look at the numbers that, that surely happened. Both of those guys over a hundred yards. Uh, like you said, Kelsey getting 15 targets, Tyree kill going for 172 yards. It's just a matter. It's, it's a matter of like, can you slow them down? And uh, the Bills couldn't do that. I also was pretty impressed with the, uh, the the defensive side of the ball for the Chiefs. I thought they actually hounded Josh Allen. They put a lot of pressure on him. And I think we also realized a pretty glaring flaw in Josh Allen this, uh, this game, more so than other games throughout the season. Uh, he's got a bit of the young quarterbacks, I don't want to get rid of the ball uh, issue going on, like you see with these more well-seasoned vets who have absolutely no problem risking a possible intentional crowding call. So uh, we saw Josh Allen get tackled for a couple times for massive losses. And 
overall, I, like you said, Kyle, this team, this, this Chiefs team is very reminiscent. And I'm, of course, bringing basketball into this, but they are very reminiscent of what the Golden State Warriors of old, uh, not being too long ago, but what they were. Like, they never really feel out of the game, no matter what the deficit is. Could be 24 nothing uh, against the Houston Texans last year. It could be 10 nothing against the Buffalo Bills this year. So, uh, overall, I'm constantly blown away with this team. And I feel like it's also the first time in a while that we've seen, like, a Chiefs performance uh, since probably, probably, like, I would say, like, the three-quarter mark through the season. I feel like they kind of coasted at the end there, personally. And uh, But this game just instilled so much confidence back uh, with the Chiefs for me. Like They did not hobble into the Super Bowl this year. They, not at all. They It looks like they're hitting their stride once again. So that's scary. Uh, from the Bills side of things, what, what do we think? So like, what do you think is next for the Bills? I think that's an interesting conversation we can op- open up. I think this team is not, we have, this is not the last we've seen of them. Well, I sure hope so. Uh, I sure hope you're right, Tyler. If I've learned anything watching the NFL, uh, it's that nothing is for certain uh, in this game. And, you know, you can be in the conference. I mean, Josh Allen's not like Bortles. So this this comparison is a bit weak. But I saw Jacksonville a quarter away from going to a Super Bowl uh, with a wicked defense and a great team, minus minus the good quarterback, which I think it's fair to say Josh Allen is a good quarterback. Um, They haven't been back to the playoffs and they haven't been close since. Uh, so you never really know when you're going to get your chance. Uh, I do think, speaking of the Bills, I've got a few thoughts on the Bills in this game. Uh, number one, they had a little bit of a taste or there was a little bit of a feeling of we're happy to be here mentality in this game, which is a killer. You cannot have that mentality. And even the fan base, it just felt like getting getting that win last week sort of like cemented that it was a great season and that they were going to be okay with not getting any further. Whereas, I mean, if Kansas City loses the game on Sunday, it's an absolute disaster. It's an absolute disaster. It's Super Bowl or bust with this group and they played like it. They played like a team. And I just felt like there was a little bit of a feeling of we're happy to have made it as far as we have uh, and to have won these two, these two playoff games. Additionally, I really did not feel that the coaching staff was aggressive enough on the bills. You, you cannot be punting on fourth, fourth and two and kicking field goals on fourth and two and fourth and three. You're, you're playing not like you're not playing to win at that point. And, and I understand the logic, you know, the, the field goal that um, that they kicked right near the half. Right. I, I'm usually a huge proponent of the go into the room with some confidence, get the three points, you know, build up the morale of the guys. I was saying it, watching that take place. You have to go for this. You have to be going for this. Because you need to score. Is it going to suck if you don't get it and the morale is low in the room? Of course it is. But if your guys can't pick themselves up in the AFC title game before they go out for the second half, that's on them. And you need the points here more than you need the, the morale boost. And sure enough, what did we see? They kick the, they end up deciding to kick the field goal. Now it's 21-12. They go into the room. Boom, we come out. Um, Kansas City goes down the field, gets a field, goes down the field and actually only gets a field goal, which surprised me. I expected they were going to get a touchdown and really put, uh, really put the game out of reach. Um, So, uh, but again, following that Buffalo kicks another field goal and then Kansas City gets a touchdown and now you're down. Now you're down two scores. So uh, 
Uh, yeah, a little disappointed in the performance from Buffalo. I hope we see them back. I absolutely do, but nothing's a sure, sure thing in this game. Yeah. It just really feel, it really felt like they were playing in a different league, <laughs> playing in a different game. And at, at the end of the day, like it, I do really like what you said. Like, yeah, there was definitely a, like, we're just happy to be here mentality that you could sense. And there was so much chatter. And this is exactly what I actually imagined. Like if the Cleveland Browns had gotten to the AFC championship, like I feel like we would have seen the roles reverse a little bit more. Um, For sure. And if I'm going to be completely honest, I, I just feel like they, I think Chiefs fans also like they just must've felt defeated before the game had even began. And you could sense that in the tailgates that were going on. (laughs) The videos were awesome. Like, I'm like, okay, great. But it's like, you guys are like going absolutely bonkers after like before and after and during this game that like we all know could definitely be penciled in as a loss. Right. So. Yeah. So I I hope it leaves a bad, a bad taste in their mouths. I do. Cause I, I think back to Seattle when Seattle was coming of age as a, as a team under Russell Wilson, the first year of Russell Wilson, he comes in, he wins the starting job. They make it to the playoffs, which is hu- a huge deal. They win a round against Robert Griffin. That's the game where Robert Griffin gets injured and kind of derails him as a quarterback of the Washington football team. They get into the second round and really blow a game against Atlanta. Um, this is the year the Niners went to the Super Bowl and lost to Baltimore, just, just for reference. Uh, but uh, they blew a game against Atlanta late. Atlanta walked down the field and kicked the field goal and stole the game when Seattle had stormed back. Uh, and I remember it vividly, and I remember it being like an absolute gut punch to that group. And, and I don't think it would have been the same gut punch had they won that game and then gone and lost to the 49ers at, say, 31-21 to 21 or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it wouldn't have been – there would have been this sense of, wow, we made it to the NFC title game and lost to what was clearly the best team in the conference at that time in, in the Niners. Um, but that, that was taken away. And I think it actually served Seattle really well and led to them going to two straight Super Bowls. So I hope Buffalo can, can channel this and realize that they don't like the way that this feels, which I'm sure they will, they're professional athletes and they can find a way to get back and, and can turn into a really great team for, for a long period of time. Cause, um, your windows within divisions don't last overly long sometimes. Uh, and they got a great, a great division right now to make a couple more playoff runs. Luke, what did you think about the game? Haven't heard from you in a while, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm just taking in all this wisdom right now. So it's great. Uh, overall, yeah, I think you guys hit it on the head. I think, yeah, I was quite surprised seeing Buffalo kick field goals, goals from 20 yards, 26 yards. And I think uh, maybe it was a little bit um, – little bit resembled the how kind of the Green Bay Packers played whether it's them on third down or them on fourth down not going for it um but yeah I was like kind of surprised because Buffalo especially in the playoffs I thought that they were really aggressive and I thought that was kind of like what made what kind of separated them from the rest of the teams was kind of how aggressive they they could be and they kind of just took their foot off the gas pedal I felt uh in this game especially I don't know if it was because they were intimidated or, or what, but uh, I mean, you still have to give it to, to the chiefs, but I, I do think the bills are, are definitely here to stay for, for a few more years, depending uh, on the, like the division right now is just not as good. 
Um, that could change with the whole De- Deshaun Watson situation. But besides the point, I do think uh, Buffalo is here to stay at the end of the day. Uh, they have a really good team. They're quite young as well. And uh, I'm just waiting for Josh Allen and Diggs to kind of go off again next year. And yeah. I hope it happens. I really do. Agreed. Um, one quick thing uh, before we wrap up here, but I just want to ask this quick question. As we know, in the AFC, it just felt like Tom Brady was a guaranteed appearance in the AFC Championship, uh, let alone victory in the AFC Championship. Correct? I feel like we can all agree on this. <laughs> yep. How This is Patrick Mahomes' third time in a row at that game, and he's two for three in AFC Championships. How many more? times do you think we'll need to see Pat maybe show up or win an AFC championship to have that at least like something even close to the same effect as those uh, Tom Brady led Patriots do did. So. Well, I think a lot, I think a lot more. I, I mean, he, you know, he, he is a third year pro and I mean, what he's accomplished in, in his first three years in the national football league is, is unbelievable. Um, it, it's historic. I, I do think we start need to like calm down just a little bit on the Patrick Mahomes hype. Like, like the amount of like just penciling him in as one of the greatest of all time. And the idea that they're going to go to Super Bowl after Super Bowl and AFC title game after AFC title game. I think we need to, like, I do think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on it and just remember uh, that this, I've seen many of players become superstars in this league and have it disappear uh, very, very quickly. So yeah, you know, he probably needs to get to, um, I don't know, probably probably four or five more to really be kind of in that, that same conversation, right. Um, to reach that same type of status, but there's a lot of things that are out of his control as well, uh, in order to get to that, to get to that many games. So yeah, I think he's got, he's still got a ways to go. It's an unbelievable first few years, but I do the, the amount of hype and just penciling Patrick Mahomes in as, as the next, Tom Brady uh, has me a little bit concerned uh, for, for what's going to take place in, in the next coming years. Cause nothing is for certain in this game. I'm holding the pencil, by the way, I, I am the penciler. <laughs> I, I, I'm the penciler. I'm penciling him in. Like I love Pat Mahomes. I, uh, and I mean, obviously take this with a grain of salt. Hell I take my own thoughts with a, gr- a grain of salt. Cause at the end of the day, sports are unpredictable, especially football, but uh, I mean, what we've seen so far, and if we get anything resembling of this in the next couple of years, uh, I don't think it's going to be too long before I'm out here saying that this is, this feels a bit Brady-esque. Give me, I would say, give me, give me three more, three more in the next five years, three more AFC championships in the five year in the next five years. Uh, I'll be I'll be sitting on Mahomes Hill with my pencil in hand. Well, certainly. And I mean, you should. I, I'll go sit on the hill, too, if he goes to okay. three of the next five after this one. The Tyreek Hill, perhaps. Well, I'll tell you. Know, Some t- puns. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got you got a lot of players that play an important role. And of course, um, Mahomes is the absolute most important piece. But Kelsey's getting older. He's 31. Um, he's aging. You got an aging, other aging players. I mean, windows just don't last that long in this league unless you're you're Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. So we'll see. 
Luke, what do you think about Mahomes Hill? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm a bit hesitant right now. Um, I think mostly because I think the thing with Tom Brady is that it's just the experience. He's done it so for so long. He's been consistent for so long. And especially in football, I think that's so rare. Uh, but yet with Mahomes, I, you know, you know, a couple more years to the AFC title, it's for sure a dynasty. But man, at the same time, like you can kind of break Brady down into specific moments. Oh, the 28 to three game. Oh, the, mm. you know, his legacy is kind of built on moments. And for Mahomes, I don't think it's like that yet. Where like, hey, these moments will like, are like ingrained in my memory. Um, and so I don't think he's like, I don't think he's quite there yet. Uh, but I do believe he'll, he'll, he could get to that point. And it's kind of scary to think that the heir to the throne is like, they're both playing right now. So it's pretty crazy, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I mean, and this Super Bowl could serve as a, as a possible woman. I know we said we wouldn't talk about it, so I won't. I'll, I'll backtrack from here. But, um, you know, it's going to, we're going to get to see, you know, what, who man on the throne and the potential heir to that throne uh, in the same game, which I think is going to be going to be so, so cool. Yeah. I think one more thing I'll add is because I was, I actually watched the 2018 AFC title game, just the highlights. And that was like such a good game that kind of like first matchup. And I think that was kind of like the first game where we saw like, okay, it's like the air versus like the student versus the master kind of thing. And it was For just sure. so back and forth. It was such a tight game. Like the Patriots were down, uh, you know, going really late into that game and then, you know, won in overtime. And yeah, Brady yeah, is so clutch. That's all I'll say. Brady is like the cl- most clutch player the NFL has seen. He, he, was, uh, he was also very clutch after D Ford lined up off sides and uh, his interception was called back and that saved the game. So, but yeah, I right. mean, you think yeah. about it, if D Fords doesn't line up offside by a by a hair, this is the third straight Super Bowl Kansas City's gone to, which yeah. would which would be would be crazy, but not how history works sometimes. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that game was a banger. I I forgot about that. The D Fords thing is so funny. Oh my goodness. I, uh, Kyle, I remember we talked about doing a sports revisionist, uh, uh, history theory or whatever it's called, uh, podcast. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. I feel like we got to do one of those. There's so many things we could go into. There's definitely so many things. And if you really, if you, if you start to like dig through them and follow the storylines, I think especially the NBA ones, um, you'd really be able to, to dig in and follow the storylines, but could have a lot of fun with it and i don't know we'll see i think uh if i mean mars hill we got a second podcast on the network now maybe now we need a third podcast of uh maybe we won't call it revisionist history because we don't want to get sued you don't want to get sued but we'll call it we'll call it something along those lines and you're building yourselves out a, little, a nice little podcast network over there yeah that's where we're, we're hoping to do that also a uh, quick update luke and i have not heard back from deshaun watson yet um we we are are hoping to still be uh, in the running for financial advisor for him, and we've thrown your name mm-hmm. in the ballot as well for 
property tax advisor. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah so it's pretty niche, but I hope you're cool with it. Um, you got to be, you got to specialize these days. Specializing yeah. is the key to success. And uh, as a Deshaun Watson's property tax analyst, I feel, uh, I feel properly, properly used. Yeah, there we go. Anyways, Kyle, uh, always a pleasure having you on. And uh, we are very excited for next week's episode. This is, uh, this is that, I remember that probably being my favorite episode of uh, last year. That was uh, just an absolute banger going through all the stupid bets, uh, the Gatorade color. You just never know what you're going to get on a Super Bowl Sunday. And I am looking forward to it. This is first Sunday in a while. No football. I don't know how to deal with it personally. Yeah, that'd be a nice rest week, but you got lots of time to jump in, start researching your props, thinking through the Gatorade colors. Just off the top of my head, I've already got two colors that I like. So Is that red um, and orange? Well, I'm not going to say. I'm saving right. it for the podcast next week, but uh, right. I'll uh, make sure to do my research and we'll be back with, uh, with some, uh, like I said, I'm not going to guarantee anything, but I guarantee plenty of ways to lose money next week. Yes, agreed. Uh, I will, I will, we can pencil ourselves in for that oh, one. Maybe not the home hill yet, but yeah. Anyways, uh, without further ado, we're going to get right on to our interview with none other than recurring guest C2B, Caleb Brown. See you there. All right. Back for another. He's back again. We got none other than Caleb C2B Brown, how are we doing, my man? Hey, man, how's it going? It's good to be here. Super happy to be back. It was a blast last time. Yeah, it sure was. So was. Uh, we're going to cut right to the chase here. You're in quarantine right now. I am. Uh, tell us why and how it's going for you. Um, I went home to the States for the holidays, and so a mandatory 14-day quarantine, which I am completely following, um, non-sarcastically. Like, seriously, if you're quarantined and go somewhere, like you're some things I can't say on this podcast and and uh it's uh it's all right I have roommates around me that will like give me food and we can like socially distance watch hockey so I can put my chair you know six feet away really more like 12 feet away be safe and with an NHL season back it's great so got to watch that first Canucks game in 316 days i think i was at the last one i don't remember who they played last but i was at either the last or like second to last game like the last like regular season one you mean yeah. like that wasn't in the bubble yeah before it got oh, shut okay. down yeah I, i'm pretty sure i was at the last canucks game because it was like i was there and then a week later the whole world shut down and we all got sent in the lockdown like it was yeah. it was crazy because i have like I'm, I'm really excited to see my snap memories in an arena in March of 2020. Like it's, it's crazy, but, but yeah, quarantine's all right. I got lots of stuff to do. Lots of things to work on. Yeah. It's not too bad. So I guess in this time of quarantine, if you were to estimate how many hours of hockey you've watched in this period, what would it, what would it look like? Oh man. Uh, when I hit the early games, the four o'clock Eastern. Uh, so that's like, hour and a half to it let's say two hours and then the late one after that so that's four and i usually do that and then i watch a little bit more after if like there's some game straggling or remaining so i'm on day 12 
So thinking about it, it's like 50, 56 hours, <laughs> something like that. Man, that's respect. <laughs> something crazy. I do. I do respect the grind for sure. Um, man. So tell us a little bit about what you've thought about the NHL season thus far. Cause you are, you're our big hockey guy. And we were talking a little bit before the show. Um, you're from what I remember, I feel like you told us what team actually, no, you kind of said you're, you don't really have a team last time, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty neutral and right. like, uh, in the NHL standpoint, I obviously Seattle, but, um, I've been rooting for Vancouver since I moved up here. Um, they're very infectious. Uh, it's really hard not to like Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen and uh, anybody anybody on the team, really. Brock Besser. Um, I love Jay Beagle. Um, I, I don't know what it is about him. He's the most average Joe. Um, I looked up. He has two total interviews ever. Um, and he's just like pucks in on pucks in deep and get him on that voice. And it is, <laughs> I love Jay Beagle and also uh, a very average Joe, uh, yeah. an average Jay we'll call him. Yeah. I, uh, I love Jay Beagle and I love that PD is taking like the kind of like new Sedine approach. Like he's doing stuff at, for a lot of stuff for the community, uh, children's hospital and, all that type of stuff. And I love seeing that in uh, this kind of new era of players we got. So it's, it's great. I, I love that Canucks team, but uh, when puck drops in fall 2021, as soon as the Kraken hit, um, I, I will never root for the Canucks again, probably <laughs> like uh, that rivalry is going to be great. But, but other than that, I'm really not rooting for anybody too often, mainly players. I, I didn't have a team growing up in Washington. So it was always just kind of like, who's your favorite player and uh, root for him. So if uh, I know we're really early into the season, but if you could give like a bit of a team of the season so far, like one goalie, two defensemen, and then three forwards. Yeah. Who are you putting um, in? Oh, three forwards. I, dang. I got Kale McCarr on defense. I think I think I'd take both the rookies last year, Cal McCarr and Quinn Hughes. Um, I've got Tyler Toffoli on the wing. That guy's been playing unreal. Um, McDavid at center, and probably still Ovechkin at left wing. I mean, he hasn't ceased a bit. So I got Ovechkin, McDavid. I I'd put Panarin on forward over over Toffoli. Um, I think Jack Hughes is having a great season. I definitely put him up there too, but, and I got those two uh, sophomore guys on the defense and I'd probably go with Markstrom and net as much as I hate, well, how he left and what he did. He's a pretty undeniable talent in the league right now. And I still like 10 years in a row, I'd still go with Carey Price. Uh, he, he played in Tri-Cities where I'm from. So I've met him a few times. And at first I thought I was biased. Like, oh yeah, I just like him because he's from Tri-Cities. But he's one of the greatest goalies that the league has ever seen. So yeah, those are my those are my current kind of thoughts on our 
best players right now. It's been really cool to see Jack Hughes come up too. Yeah, that's fair. I was, uh, it's funny enough. I was actually thinking a little bit about that today. Um, who I would, who I would throw in, uh, on my team of the season so far, just based on performance. Uh, I've been really impressed by Mark Stone. He is an absolute phenom on the wing. Uh, it's so funny because Mark Stone, like you can tell he's not that good of a skater, but he's just so steady on his feet. And I do love that. And then obviously uh, you got to have McDavid centering that line probably. And uh, I've also been really uh, impressed with Marner. He's actually tied with McDavid in uh, yeah. points. Yeah, right he's now. been having a great season. Marner is like one of the most like understated play drivers of today's NHL. Like, and when I say play driver, just like guys, who just like make all that random stuff happen. He is like, he's on another level. And I think he's really slept on. He like, he's definitely better than John Tavares uh, yeah. on that, yeah. on those like top, the top three Toronto guys there. Yeah. He's definitely, uh, he's definitely an all-star by all means. He, he's one of the better guys in the league. And I think I, I like to think that if he wasn't there, Matthews wouldn't be as good as he is. Um, that's, that's definitely my thought on it. Like he's, he's a, he's a, I don't think he's horribly slept on. I think a lot of people think of him as a top guy in the league. And, uh, I think you're absolutely right that he could be a, a top line this year for a, like an all pro type team. Yeah. He's, he's definitely the guy. I feel like the NHL should expand the awards thing a little bit more. Like for me, I'm like all about awards in sports. I think it's more fun for fans personally, like, uh, being a big basketball guy, I love that they do like the all NBA teams and like all NBA mm-hmm. team, like all NBA defensive teams. Right. Um, I feel like the NHL could really benefit from that. And I feel like it also highlights the like amount of guys who are up there in like heart nominations for me, because mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that's really understated. Also another thing that would be cool in my opinion it's like a most improved award. Uh, yeah. And I know it's kind of like an unwritten rule in the NBA where like you don't really give it to a second year guy. So like you wouldn't give it to like a Jack Hughes. Um, but I feel like that, that award would be super cool. Also another cool one would be like comeback player of the year. I love that the NFL uh, they, and the MLB do comeback. They have, uh, they have the one with, I can't, I can't remember what it's called, but they have it. It's, um, because uh, Oscar Limbo won it this year, and we were talking about how uh, how hard it would be to pick that because you're kind of picking like what who sit who had a worse situation, right? I'm 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 more so saying like uh, in baseball they do it more on like a production standpoint, ah. yeah. Where it's like like for example, Bobby Ryan's been great so far this season. We haven't heard Bobby Ryan's name uh, in a really long time, so uh, I love him. I yeah, I like Bobby him. Ryan too. Work it as somebody who works with addicts. That is such a success story. That is like that is a. It just warms your heart as a shelter worker to see that you know people do recover and that it happens. And not only do they recover, but they thrive afterwards. And seeing that on an NHL scale is the coolest thing to me. Like what a what a great story. And he was nominated along with uh, Oscar Lindblom for a. Uh, the uh, comeback player of the year. And uh, I'm like, how do you, how do you pick between these two things? Like they're, they're completely different. They're both horrible things to go through. 
and they both had amazing comebacks. Like, and uh, when um, Bobby got nominated, he's like, "Yeah, I think Oscar should get the award." Like, I I just think his comeback's incredible. And then Oscar's like, "Yeah, I definitely think Bobby should get the award." And so it's like, I love that about the NHL. Good guy award. It's a good guy award. Yeah, there's a lot of really humble dudes and. Uh, it's cool to see, especially with the Matthew Kachucks in the league right now. Uh, like, if you, if there's a, there's some tantrum throwers, but there's a lot of pretty good dudes. Hey man, if I got a f- puck flipped at me at the end of the game, I would probably throw a bit of a tantrum too. If I'm in Matt Kachuk's yeah, situation, if I got the if I got the puck thrown at me at the end of the game, I would be pissed. And and those two have history. That's not the first time they've gone at it, but. Carrying that off the ice and flipping water bottles to your teammates, like sweeping the desk, like if you will, with the sticks and water bottles, like that's just ridiculous, man. You went after him. You got your fight. Now let it like be pissed off. But um, there's, there's rumors. He was like yelling at people in the room, leave them alone, slamming doors on people. And I totally believe it. Um, and uh, I just think, <laughs> If he wasn't so talented, nobody would want to play with this guy. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. One thing I will say about that situation, though, like Kachuk's still a pretty young dude, and uh, Jake Muzzin is how, – how many years has he played in the NHL? I'm pretty sure this is, like, a year lot. 11 right yeah. now, right? So, like, I don't know. From, like, sure, like, reaction is reaction. Uh, first and foremost, that's probably the worst reaction we will ever see from him in his career. Like, I don't – like – I don't think he's like a naturally just like bad dude. Like he might look like it on the ice because he wreaks havoc. But I mean, every guy does when it comes to playoffs and some guys do in the regular season, he's one of those guys, but yeah, it's the I same as uh, Brad Marchand. Like, yeah. Like he apparently uh, everybody says that Brad Marchand is one of the classiest dudes out there and that he's a great teammate. He does a lot for Boston. Awesome stuff. And then on the ice, he's just like, I mean, he's whacked people in the head. Like, he's he's laid down some horribly dirty hits. He says terrible things. But it's the most competitive league in the world. I get it. But I do think it shows a little bit about your character, though. Because you don't see McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby, um, even Ovechkin. You don't see any of them doing that stuff. Um, maybe Ovechkin a little bit back. You see day. Crosby doing it a lot in Crosby, his career, man. Er, Crosby like did when Crosby? When he was you're talking to the biggest, you're talking to the biggest Sidney Crosby fanboy, right? Bro, now. He was when, uh, of course, when he was 18, and like they're calling him the top player in the world. This was going on till his like in his like mid late 20s. The dude the, is still his mic'd up stuff. He is ruthless. Are we really still on the crybaby Crosby debate? Like, no, I had this, I'm not, I but like, I don't know. Ago. I feel like we have all these like discussions, and then there's like certain guys we paint as villains, and then like. We have certain guys that are untouchable. I think Crosby uh, now, once he, I feel like once he's hit his thirties, it's like okay, he's untouchable. I'm not. I don't think he's like a crybaby. Um, hmm. But I mean, all these guys do things. But like, just because he's a superstar, he's kind of put in a position where he's just not judged to the same. That like, I mean, Brad Marchand is a superstar. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I I've don't seen- know. I feel like we paint villains very quick in sports. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that because I've seen uh, – I mean, I grew up playing hockey. I get that it gets competitive, and I played house. Like, 
like if you put me in a in a WHL NHL standpoint, I can't imagine how competitive I would be. And that's one thing, but I think that universally across the board as NHL fans, we can all come together and agree that Milan Lucic is the worst person in history. Like I can't stand that dude. I everything about Milan Lucic, like just just the way his helmet is and like how he wears it and his face, I just want to punch it like really hard. I cannot stand Milan Lucic and anything about him. And I, I, you know, we want unity in hockey. I think we should all come together and like end Milan Lucic's career. I've seen enough, man. This has been going on since I was 10. It's ridiculous. Okay. So then like, what do you say about like guys, like, like I'm going to throw out names and you got to tell me if like, he's like a better dude than Milan Lucic. I'm going to throw out Ryan Reeves. Cause he's like the all time, well, sorry. In today's NHL, he's probably the biggest ish disturber. So, like, what do you say? Like, I don't hear the hate about Ryan Reeves. Also, oh, oh, I'm gonna no, defend I Lucic. I do. I'm gonna I defend do. Lucic because he's an ex Giants player. Go Giants! Yeah, it, yeah, it makes me like not like the Giants anymore. Um, didn't the Giants also have Evander Kane? They did. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, a class organization there. Um, Evander Kane is a professional uh, under your skin type of guy um i say like david perone is one of them ryan reeves for sure um and i don't know any i don't know what they're like off the ice but there's there's an s there's a competitiveness and then there's then there's character and i think uh, zach cassian that's just who he is like he's a he's a grinder he's gonna fight for his team and he's gonna talk about it um it's it's interesting to see that role of kind of like the goon in in uh 2020s era of hockey. So if you could pick one of those guys to be your personal bodyguard, who are you picking and why? Uh, I'm picking Chara. Uh but, uh, but that's that's what that's the real pick. If I have to pick one of those guys though, oof. Uh I don't know, man. Milan Lucic has a face to him. I just, it's just like <laughs> I don't want to approach this guy. It's just something about it. And he doesn't wear a visor and, and but <laughs> I got to go with Cassian because like Cassian's whole job as an NHL player is to be a bodyguard. That's that is his whole purpose in being in the NHL. He plays on a first line with Connor McDavid and his whole purpose is to be his bodyguard. So that's, that's definitely my pick. Yeah, totally fair. I think that's a good show. Yeah, I agree. Staying on the theme of NHL here, what about um, what about some early early cup contenders? Shall we say abs, we had a abs, little bit abs. of an argument before about this. Um, abs, abs, abs. I the Colorado Avalanche are. Oh, I thought you said Habs for a second. I was like, oh uh, my no. goodness. I I think currently Montreal could very well win the division. Um, I, I kind of I was like skeptical at the beginning. I was like, ah, oh, it's Montreal. That won't happen. But they added some really great players in the offseason to a very okay team. And they beat Pittsburgh and the whole playoff thing. And I know it's a different type of season and it's different, but Montreal could very well make the like conference finals of this kind of playoff, if you if you will. Um but also, I there, I have little to no doubt that the Avalanche will win this season if they stay healthy. I mean, they're 
they're, they're lighting up. They beat San Jose last night. Was it at seven? I don't know if it ended seven to two. That's when I checked. It might've been eight. And the team is unreal. Uh, I definitely think Colorado's taking the cup this year. Like that's my undisputed pick. Do you give us like a top three? So like, what would two and three be for you? Um, I'd say Colorado, Vegas, or yeah, it's really hard with that division, that East division, uh, with the Pens and Caps and all of them. But I think the Capitals could be really deadly this season with that addition of Chara in the back. Um, I, I they could they could very well be a Cup contender this year. I'm pulling for New York though. Uh, the Rangers. I would love to. They, I, they're such a solid team. I love watching them. So they're really exciting too. That exactly. They are so much fun to watch. They've got a really entertaining goalie in Shysterkin. They've got Panarin, Zabanajed. Now they got Lafreniere, who hasn't done much yet, but that's to be expected. And He'll pick it up. I got him in fantasy, so I'm banking on him. <laughs> I, I have him in fantasy too, and I've been disappointed. But I also have Pedersen in fantasy, and until today. I had one point on the season, so it was uh, it was pretty sad. But he, he dropped three tonight. He might have dropped some more since I start. We started here, but yeah, my my cup picks: uh, Avalanche, Vegas, or Washington, or somebody in that Eastern Division. It could really be anybody over there. What about Tampa? They don't have they don't have Cooch, but hear me out here. Like that, even even like. I mean, last year, that's probably the most talented roster we've seen in a while win a Stanley Cup. Uh, like, are, are you, is, is the breaking point just because the no cooch thing for you? Yeah, I think he's the, the, the most dominant force on that team. And I think there's a, a lot of other players that can pick up that slack. Uh, you've got Braden Point, you've got uh, Tyler Johnson. Um, Tyler Johnson actually, uh, Oh, no, I told that story last time. I can't tell again. Yeah, I was like, yeah, you got Tyler Johnson, Brayden Point, uh, of course, Stamkos, and then... Hedman and Vasilevsky. Yeah, rock-solid goalie and Vasilevsky. And honestly, like, Hedman would be a captain on any team without Steven Stamkos and, like, maybe Jonathan Tays. Like, the two best captains in the league. Uh, I think... And the three best captains in the league. And I think Hedman would be a leader of any NHL team, but he plays with Steven Stamkos, who's like an all-time leader as well. So I think they're a great team. Um, I think it's incredibly hard to go back to back. I think there's going to be a lot of injuries with the uh, baseball type of schedule they have. And I, I don't know if they could do it again. It, it's possible, but I would think Vegas would win before Tampa. And I think Washington would win before Tampa. I they're, they got a lot of older players with Stamkos and their third and fourth liners, Pat Maroon and their fourth line, fourth and third line are really mostly people you haven't heard of. I mean, they have Pat Maroon, but that is solid third liner. I can't really, I don't think I can name anybody else on that third or fourth line. Palat. Palat. Anthony Sorelli. Palat's a second liner, isn't he? He's kind of shifts between second and third line. Yeah. It depends on the injuries, really. Like, if Cooch yeah. is healthy, um, and then, like, last year, because Stammer was out, like, the whole time, basically. Um, Two minutes. Two minutes and 47 seconds of the yeah. best hockey you've ever seen. 
Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, they're, they're, they're deep when they have Cooch, especially personally, I love Vegas. I think Vegas for me is like so well built. They have the best, probably the best goaltending tandem in the NHL. And that's probably gonna shuffle because it looks like flurry. There is a chance that he's still going to be on his way out because of the uh, contract situation they got going on there. But yeah, um, I think their defense too, adding Petrangelo, they yeah. got Theodore already. Um, obviously, they have like Braden McNabb too, who's really solid still. So, and probably the more the the deepest forward core possibly in the NHL. And that that's what win cups. I say, I still say Colorado, man. Like they have, they're such a deep team. Everything Colorado does everything right and very little wrong. Um, they are they're, they're such a force. I mean, they have the flashy three forwards with uh, McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog, but they have such a deep team. Like, they have uh, Rantanen, Nikushkin, Brandon Saad, uh, Tyler Jost. Like, they're just I, – I can't root against them, like, in the Stanley Cup. With Kale McCarr, Eric Johnson, Ryan Graves on defense, like, they're just – they're ridiculous. Vegas, Vegas has a ridiculous defense, but I don't think that. I, who who do they really have past the second line? Honestly, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I, mean, I don't think they have that great of depth. I mean, I would say the same about Colorado too, though, because Colorado has got a, like a pretty solid. Like their 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 top line is probably the best top line in the NHL. I don't really think that's an argument, but once yeah. you go past. Once you go past that, it's like Nazem Kadri is your next option. Whereas, like, you go to the, you go to Vegas, and sure, like, you sacrifice. You don't have your McKinnon, but you have Mark Stone. Uh, but then you also have Max Pacioretty, who's leading the NHL in goals right now. And then you also have like you still have like Riley Smith, Alex Tuck. Uh, you have uh, Jonathan Marchessault. You have Will Carlson. There's there's names galore coming out of Vegas. Plus, they got Cody Glass too. That's a really good young player. I was I was thinking about him earlier today. I think I think he could have a really bright career. I I just I think Colorado drafts so well um, with McKinnon, McCarr, uh, Landskog, uh, who else? Rantanen. Like they, these are every. It seems every first round pick they get turns into a star, whether it's first overall. Yeah, whether it's first overall or towards the end of the draft like it seems every first rounder they get turns into something special and it's pretty it's pretty awesome to see um i think vancouver's like that too though i think vancouver has a super bright future and i think colorado is going to stay the hot team for a while um i bet against vegas i think they could i i definitely think they could win a cup i think it's possible um i don't think it'll happen without a star forward though uh, they, I think they need, you know, a Panarin, a McKinnon, uh, a big goal scorer playmaker to to push something to happen there. I think they're, I think they're right there at like that conference final level, um, but I don't think they're going to win a cup until they get somebody, somebody a little bit bigger. And Petrangelo was a great addition. That that's exactly what they needed. I think they need another one though. I guess. Okay, now I guess we'll shift. 
gears i know before the podcast caleb you told us you gave us a big disclaimer i don't want to talk about this but you're from washington state my man and i think we just have to talk about it we're going to talk some seahawks some nfl oh boy what what happened what happened i don't i don't, I don't know i did i just don't get it i it, it just seemed like we're they're not capitalizing opportunities they're turning over the ball a lot because remember the first five games of the season when everybody's like, holy crap, Russell Wilson's going to be MVP. He is finally going to get the respect he deserves and he's going to be MVP. And then he just died. Like it was like, he was going hundred miles an hour and ran out of gas. I don't know what that, I, I just, I've never seen a Seahawks season where they just like completely fell off. Like I've seen it gradually, like they they kind of spiral their way down and then you know first round exit or something like that. But what what happened? I, I don't understand. They have a, the best lineup they've had probably since the super well since a Legion of Boom, and they they didn't do anything with it. It, it was so disappointing. One thing I will say about that. Uh... Russ has kind of done this the last couple of years to us where it's like early season. It's like, okay, Russ for MVP. Right. Yeah. Um, and like, they totally did this last year. The, uh, yep. the, the Seahawks to us. Um, one thing I will say though, there's no, like, I kind of had this idea that the Seahawks were kind of just going to be frauds the entire year. You know why that defense was horrible and sure. Oh. Like, there are the some great rush, offenses. Man. Yeah, so it was bad. horrible, and even the secondary was bad too. Like that's a bot. That was a bottom five defense in the NFL. And if I'm going to be completely honest, when you're going up against the Rams, Jared Goff's got three fingers left, and he's putting up thirty points on you. Like, sure, that's probably the best defense in the NFL, in my opinion. That Rams, that Rams defense, they're crazy yeah. with Aaron Donald. And uh, add some of those other names there. But what I will say is that this team, like, that was kind of a matchup from hell because of the defense being yeah. so bad. So, like, anyone can put up points against them. Like, 30 points against Jared Goff in that state, no Cooper Cup. That is horrible. Um, it's unacceptable. And you know what? Like, I kind of saw this coming. Like, I kind of knew they were frauds. I think it was just a matter of, like, are the Seahawks frauds or not this year? And they were frauds. Yeah. Uh, More than I, usual. Said, I said from that, the first loss they took, I was like, that defense isn't it. Like, and, and I think the Seahawks organization has uh, had a really kind of a tough go with defense since uh, like 2016, really. Everything just kind of fell apart. They ran into cap issues. They went, ran into locker room issues. Cam uh, Chancellor just retired out of nowhere. He's like, I'd rather not play football than play for that amount of money. So he retired and I, to me, that defense fell apart when they let go of Richard Sherman, uh, 2017. Like now is Richard Sherman, the best quarterback at cornerback in the NFL? No, not, not anymore. He was at the time. And when they let him go, he was the top three, five, but that de- And then honestly, once that happened, they had him in drafting defense they with their first rounders they were taking you know offensive line and that type of thing so i don't think the seahawks were prepared for a defensive rebuild i think they rebuilt their offense really well and that's why you see so a crazy receiver core 
and a, uh, a very up promising up and coming receiving core as well. And uh, decent running backs coming up and, and then Russell Wilson is their centerpiece. And so he, like the offense did fine, but then the Seahawks didn't build for defense. They thought they were going to have Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor for another five years more than they did. So it, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, I think they're going to miss the playoffs next year. I, I don't, I, I see them going into a rebuild pretty hard. And I wonder how long Russell Wilson is going to be able to play um, with that bootleg rush it mentality. It's got to be getting to him. Um, did he miss a start this season? He did not. He didn't. Yeah. So he's never missed a start at that level of running and contact. He gets hit more than probably any other quarterback. And so maybe Lamar, but I don't know how long he can play after that. He's had, he's, it's got to take a toll on him at some point. So I think, I think they're in for a pretty deep rebuild the next three to five years. And it's going to be hard to watch, but we had some serious glory days for a while, like 2010 to 2015, pretty epic, like almost a dynasty with that uh, heartbreaking Super Bowl loss. So I think they'll come back. I think it'll have, they'll have their day. Um, I just think it's going to be real hard to watch for a while. What One thing I will to- say about Russ, sorry, just to intervene for a second here. Uh, he is like, you always hear things about LeBron James putting like millions of dollars into his body. Russ is that for the NFL. Yep. He does take a, like really good care of his body. So that is one thing, like, I think as long as they have Russ, they're just going to be good. They're like, they're going to try win Super Bowls. Like that's, that's a top five quarterback in the NFL. He's not going anywhere. Not, no, he's not going anywhere. No but like, there's no way they miss the playoffs next year. There's no way. Like they have Russell Wilson. He's a top five quarterback in the NFL. There's only one team who has t- in the NFL right now who has a top five quarterback, and uh, they probably they and they should like be going for the playoffs, but they're not. That's the Houston Texans because they're a horrible organization, right? The Seahawks are a good organization. Like we can't forget that they go to the playoffs very frequently. Anyways, Luke, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna ask Caleb, what do you think we need to do to kind of rebuild the defense? Because I thought the acquisition of Jamal Adams was kind of a step in the right direction, but of course, he was injured for a lot of the season. And uh, yeah, yeah, I thought the addition of Jadavian Clowney was great too, and then nothing happened. I mean, I remember first overall pick to Davian Clowney, Houston Texans. It was epic. And they were like, this is, good. this is the next J.J. Watt on the same line as J.J. Watt. Like, this is going to be amazing. And then um, nothing. He, he was okay. He's pretty solid. And he ran into injury issues. And then he came to the Seahawks, and it's like, this is just the most average pass rusher ever. And I think they need a pass rush more than anything. They still have Bobby Wagner and Bruce Irvin in the middle. I don't think that's going to last for too much longer. Uh, they've been in the league for several years now, and um, they'll, they're there. They're great, but they got to get pass rushers, man. They put no pressure on the quarterback, give them so much time, and then the, and then that's to an average secondary that he's throwing to, average at best, really. And so it's just not – they don't have that defense, and to get out of this slump, they got to rebuild the defense. I don't think they make the playoffs with just Russell Wilson. I think he's a powerhouse. I think that offense is phenomenal. 
but unless they make some serious offseason moves with uh with that defense, I don't I don't think they make it next year. I think it's gonna be worse. Yeah, I mean, one thing I will say, the NFC West is probably going to be more competitive next year because there's a chance Rams go for a quarterback and really revamp that offense because it's pretty obvious Jared Goff isn't the guy there. And then San Francisco is had the year. They had the year from hell this year, right? Like with all those injuries, having to go to Arizona to play. Um, another year of the Cardinals, pretty scary to me. So, um, yeah. yeah, they like the Seahawks could be the odd man out. Um, but that being said, I, I do like to put my chips on Russell Wilson in the, in the regular season, just not as much the, the, the playoffs. Anyways, yeah. um, last thing before we head off here, I just want to ask you, what's, what's the deal with music lately? Working, uh, working on stuff. I got a huge announcement, um, on February. This is actually the first time I told anybody February, um, 5th, I think. I think so. February, That's pretty soon. It's either fifth or third. Um, it's third. Yeah, huge announcement. Um, life changing. Uh, I'm I'm excited for it. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be something. Nobody sees what's coming, um, and I don't think anybody could guess it if they try. So February third. Stay tuned. It's not music. Um, I'm not dropping any new music, and I'm not announcing new music. Uh, I'm announcing something even bigger um, and it's not a baby. So uh, you can, you guys can knock that out of your vocabulary. Um, I'm not having a child. Uh, everything I say, I feel like, wow, it sounds like a pregnancy announcement. Yeah. <laughs> like nobody, nobody's ever going to guess what's going to happen. And it's not music related. They're like, Oh, he must've got somebody pregnant. I'm like, Oh no, that's not what it is. And I'm not engaged either. Um, still don't have a girlfriend. So I'm completely okay with that. Awesome. But yeah, it's it's a good time. Um, uh, uh, that that announcement is something crazy, uh, like unbelievable. And this is the first time I told anybody, and it's on a media thing, so uh, it'll be pretty cool. Do you want to plug anything on here before uh, we let you off? Uh, Unleashed is always um, uh, Unleashed is uh, my debut studio album streaming everywhere now on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you stream music. You can catch the short film on YouTube and we have uh, the website c2bmusic.net and uh, that's got everything from merch to music to videos behind the scenes and more. Um, yeah, it's always it's always great to be here. Uh, my name's C2B. Always happy to see you guys and uh, talk, talk a little not about music for a change. Yeah, well, it was great having you on, man. Hopefully we can have you on soon. For sure. Take care. Thanks so much, guys.